you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the letter of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, as we are what some farmers might call the short rows of going through this great letter. Um, we have this week, we'll look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, down through the first part of chapter 21, and then next week we will close out our study on the end, and uh, we will look at chapter 21 and chapter 22 as we see heaven, and we see what uh, we are going to be about for all of eternity. So uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me there. If you don't have a copy, the Verses will be on the screen as I read them for us, starting in verse number 7. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their, their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth. And surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. Where the beast and the false prophet were. They are tormented day and night forever. And ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. and They will be his people. And God will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, 
the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Heavenly Father, I bow before you, and Lord, I pray that as we spend the next few moments looking at this passage that is before us. God, you would allow us to to grab a hold of, you would allow us to, to grasp, you would allow us to understand the intent that you had for not just the first century readers and hearers of this letter, but Father, for us today. There is a reason why you allowed us to to keep this section of Scripture, to have this section of Scripture. Lord, would you not just give us an understanding and and an ability to grasp it, but Father, would would you show us that piece of the puzzle that you have for us to apply today, this week, to our lives. God, I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled this message, Judgment and Glory. And as the aspect of judgment, we see in these first verses, in verse number 7, all the way through that of chapter, uh, the end of chapter 20, we see judgment of unbelievers. And, and that judgment is swift on the one hand, but, but it's also thorough. It is Thorough in scope. There is a swift act of judgment that God has for all unbelievers. And it's found right here in chapter 20. Throughout the New Testament, there are two different words, two different types of the throne of judgment. The one that is described here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, down through the end of the chapter, and The one that is described in Romans chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They are two separate, distinct, different judgment seats of Christ. The one that we're going to look at more in-depthly today is that of unbelievers. If you read the verses that, and, and you read them again as I've already read them for us, in verse number 12 he said he saw the dead. Not those that are alive, but the dead. The ones that are great and small, the ones that are already seen death, the ones that are in death in Hades, the ones that are in the sea, the ones that are on the land. Every single being that is dead, he saw them before the throne. And when they came before the throne, when these came before the throne, here is what happened. Jesus sat on the throne, the great white throne of judgment, and there around the throne there were books that were opened. And they were over here, let's just say they're on this side of the throne and they're on the table here, and they just start opening the books, and there's a number of books that are open, and then... In another section, let's put it on this side of the throne, there is one book that is open. The book of life. 
and one individual at a time comes before the throne. Whether man, woman, boy, girl. They come before the throne as those who are unbelievers in Jesus. They state their name. And the books are opened. And as they're reading through the books, they're reading every action, word, thought that they did in their whole lives. Like, how in the world is that going to happen? Folks, we have DVR. I mean, we came up with that. Here's the God of the universe. And their lives are going to be opened before him. And they're going to make their case and it's not going to take them very long because he's going to say that's not it. So it's going to be swift. But just in case, he's going to say, all right, those are your works. Let's look over here at this book and at this work, the book of life. Is your name there? They're going to look. And for those that stand before the great white throne of judgment, their name will not be found in the book of life. And he will say to every single individual, that stands before Him at the great white throne of judgment, He will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Believers will not stand before that judgment. Let me read for you three verses, actually a couple of verses, and we'll see the third passage in just a moment. Romans chapter 14 verse 10 states this, why do you pass judgment? Uh, Paul is writing to the folks at Rome and he says, why are you judging one another? Why are you passing this judgment? Don't you know that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Two distinct, different purposes of those seats of judgment. The first is to see the the one that we're looking at today in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 15. It is to see those unbelievers stand before God and be swift and thorough in the act of judgment, their punishment seen. For the believers, separate time, they will stand, we will stand, and we will receive what is due us. You say, what's due us? Well, let's look at the second or the third passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, down through verse 15, it states this. According to the grace which God has given to me, 
Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Hey, folks in Corinth, I laid this foundation for you, and someone else is building upon it. Another person, Paul is saying, another person has come in. Another pastor, another person, I've left you, I'm I'm away from you right now, and somebody else is coming here, and they are building on that. They're not laying a foundation, but they're building on the foundation, Jesus Christ, which I laid for you. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, with silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Here's the difference The person who stands before Jesus at the great white throne of judgment, at the end of it, he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. The person who goes through this judgment that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Romans chapter 14, we will stand before him and those things that are precious stone, those things that are silver, those things that are gold that we have done, that we have obeyed the Father in, we will receive a reward for them. But those things that took up our time, that really wasn't what the Father wanted us to be about. Those things, wood, hay, straw, rubble, when it goes through the fire, we won't be rewarded for that. What's the fire? Take just a second, thumb back uh, about 20 chapters to... Chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 13 through 17. And, and just, just look at it as John saw Jesus. You remember? As he saw Jesus, here is the description of the Christ. Of Jesus. He's no longer a baby. He's no longer a suffering servant. Now, Jesus states this, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, as one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe with golden sash around his chest. His hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Catch this next description. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His eyes were like a flame of fire. The Christ who sits on the throne looks at you, looks at me, and He sees right through us. He sees absolutely right through us. 
And all those things that are precious, obedience, faith, that you did, that I did in faith because we believe, they'll last. And he'll say, here's your reward. And all those things that aren't, they'll just fall away. I told you last week I was going to quit talking about myself as an illustration, but I don't think it's very nice for me to talk about somebody else, so I'll talk about myself again. I think it was Tuesday or, or Wednesday. I, I was back, uh, it was Tuesday, nobody else was here, and I had, a, had the morning in the office, no, nobody else was here, and um, I got up, had a lunch appointment, and as I was walking down the hall, I thought, I'd been spending time in Revelation. I'd been spending time about the judgment seat of Christ. And I knew somewhat where I was going this morning. And a thought came in my mind. Wow, Brian, you just wasted an hour and a half. An hour and a half of time that you will never get back. It's gone. What did you do with it? Think about your week. You just went through it. Seven days since we met right here. You're going to stand before Jesus. I'm going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to have our whole lives before him. Let's just think about this past week. How much of that week, those seven days, those numbers of hours multiplied in minutes, how much of that time when it passes through the fire of his eyes, will he say, that was some gold? Hey, River Bend, that was silver, that was precious stones. Here's your reward. How much is it? Wood, hay, and straw. All of us are going to stand before him one day. I'm going to stand there. You're going to stand there. And we will be rewarded for those things that we acted upon in faith, in obedience. When he said, Brian, you need to talk to that person. You, you need to speak to them, and you need to talk to them about me. You, you need to just give. They're in need. You just need to give, church. You need to help them out. Lord, you don't know how much time I have I know exactly what you need to be doing, Brian. I know exactly what we all need to be doing. When we act in faith, when we act in obedience to the Father, there is that reward. Maybe it's your time management or lack thereof. Maybe that time management or lack thereof gets you every single day. Maybe it's your... It's your me time in the afternoon, dads. Maybe it's that time where you just veg out in the, if it's at my house, the blue recliner. How many moments did you and I just scroll Facebook? Did we just scroll Pinterest? Did we just scroll Twitter to see the sarcastic, funny tweets that mean absolutely nothing? 
how much time did we scroll Fox News wondering what in the world's going to happen next and just get blood pressure raising, rising? Just this week. Not, not, not the year. It's just this week. These things are not just terrible outright sights. But it got me thinking Tuesday. You know, Brian, that Tuesday in February of 2014 before lunch, that day, that day when you were preparing for this message and you were talking about the judgment seat of Christ, that morning, not much is redeemable. Not only do we see that judgment is swift and it's thorough, those are there. The unbelievers stand before the throne of Jesus Christ and at the end, depart from me, I never knew you. But second, we see that old things are passing away and new things are coming. The first eight verses, literally the first seven verses of this 21st chapter is about old things passing away and new things coming. Judgment and now glory. The time has come that this creation, this heaven, these, these skies, this firmament, this land that you and I are tied to, Literally by gravity because that's what God created to keep you and me on the ground. And also practically because that's where oftentimes our treasure is. I hope my parents don't listen to the tape or the MP3. We don't do tapes anymore. Yesterday they came up, took our kids to uh, the skating rink, ice skating rink. And on their way home they were going down Craft Road and... Two high chairs, like bar top table chairs, fell off of somebody's trailer and they were just sitting on the side of the road. And my parents, we got to pick them up. They put them in the back of the car. They, they get to the house and what do they do? They say, Brian, these would these be some great chairs. They'd be great. You just need to fix them up. They accumulate stuff. Do we need to bar top tables at our house? Do they need to bar top tables at their house? But we accumulate stuff. Because we're tied to this place. God says this place, this place is going to be wiped away. Old things are passing away. In this verse, in these verses, he's saying, hey, this earth, these skies from the four corners, they come into the presence of God and they flee. They they try to find a place anywhere that they can go that they are not in His presence. And they're still fleeing. And they're still fleeing. They're going to the corners of the universe and they're still trying to get away. But there is nowhere for them to go because He is everywhere. And as this earth is fleeing away from the presence of God, God says, it's done. 
I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And here is what I have done. I have created a new heaven. And I have created a new earth. Old things have passed away. And behold, everything is new. And there is no more sea. Now for many of us, when we read that there is no more sea, we're like, for like three quarters of us, where are we going to spend vacation? I mean, we always go to the beach for vacation. But if you look a little more in, under the surface, you look more in depth of that, just think about the sea. It is vital to your life. Over 50% of the oxygen that you and I can breathe is generated by the ocean. The carbon dioxide that you and I exhale, the ocean waters have the capacity to absorb vast amounts of that gas. Not only on the surface, but take it deep underneath the surface, underneath multiplied millions of layers of water deep so that this place where you live and I live, won't be 197,000 degrees. The temperature of the, and the weather itself, because of the surface level of the ocean, it absorbs over half the heat reaching the earth from the sun. By distributing this heat around the world, ocean currents, which flow for thousands of miles, both at the surface and also far below, are extremely important in determining the climate of all the continents. The last one that I'll give you is the water cycle. The importance of the oceans, the water cycle. The oceans are also integral part of this water cycle. The vast amounts of water evaporate from the ocean surface each and every day rising into the atmosphere as water vapor. When this vapor collides with colder air up in the atmosphere, it condenses to form clouds and ultimately rain. That's not even to say all the products that you ladies and you gentlemen use that are from the ocean, like soap, shampoo, that fish that you ate from the ocean. Unless it's catfish. Anyway. All these conditions are there that you and I must have to live. And God says, no, not anymore. It's done away with. What else does he take away? Look at these verses as I come to a close. The need for... The ocean dissolved, done away with. And he said this to all of them. I'm making all things new. Also write this down. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The one who thirst. Skipped it. Go back up to verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have all Pass away. No more seas, no more tears, no more pain, no more mourning, as in hurt, anguish. Then if you look in 
the next chapter, he says there's not going to be any more sun or any more moon because he is going to be the light. Say, all right, Brian, what does all this mean? Let's kind of draw it up and try to put a bow on it. For every single one of us, there's judgment. For those that may be here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ, the judgment is swift and thorough, and you will spend eternity away from it. For those of us that, that know Him, that have bowed the knee, that have confessed with the mouth, He says, you know, your life is more than all these things that are around you. Your life is to be mine. I bought you. I paid the price for you with my blood. Therefore, your life, your existence on Monday at 2 o'clock is to be for me. And if you and I don't allow him to rule and reign Monday at 2 or Thursday at 7, when we stand before him and his eyes pierce through our lives, We'll wish we would have that feeling of letting down our king. But all those times that we do obey, all those times that we do act in faith, he will reward us. And what's so great about all those rewards, ultimately, because of his worth, we'll take those rewards and we'll say, it's yours, Jesus. close with reading three verses. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, down through verse 8. He said to me, it's done. John, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life. How's he going to give it? Without payment. You, you don't have to pay for it. If you're thirsty, I will give you the spring of the water of life. To, to the one who conquers, they will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. And here's the contrast. From 6 and 7 to 8. But as for the cowardly. As for the faithless. The detestable. As for murderers. As for the sexually immoral. Sorcerers. Idolaters. And all liars. Their portion. Will be in the lake that burns. With fire and sulfur. Which is the second death. Sir, the end is coming. Judgment in Revelation chapter 20 and Revelation chapter 21 has begun. Ultimate end of days. The end is coming. And he wants the people in the first century and he wants the people, you and me, in the 21st century to understand there is still only two outcomes of where one can spend eternity.
Where will you spend it? Where will you spend eternity? It's not a, a bullying. It's not a, a desire to get numbers of any sort. It is a fact. Every single person in this place will spend eternity either in heaven where every one of us who will be there for all eternity will individually, not because of mom or dad, grandmother or grandfather, great-grandparents, because you bowed the knee. You confessed with your mouth. I want you, Lord, as my Lord. I, I want you, yes, I understand that you died for me, you paid the price for me as Savior, but you are also my Master and my Lord. I want you, Jesus, as my Savior, my Lord. And if that's the case, you will spend eternity in heaven with me. And then there's those that will be deceived by Satan, as we read in the first part of those verses in chapter 20. There are those that have come up to me and said, why is Satan allowed to come back and deceive after a thousand years? I don't know that this is the total answer, but here's what I've wrapped my arms around. God did not create you as a robot. He did not create anybody as a robot. And he says, I want you to love me because you love me, not because I made you love me. Therefore, Satan, the tempter, the deceiver, is allowed to come once again through for a thousand years. Those sons and daughters that had lived for a thousand years that were there, they did not know the tempter. They did not know the deceiver. And he is allowed once again just to go through and whoever he can deceive, whoever does not truly believe, they will spend eternity in hell. I don't know where you are today. May I exhort you, may I encourage you, may I urge you. The most important decision that you will ever make. You'll ever make. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, we come this morning to a time of invitation, a, a time to where we can understand how much you love us. A time that we can, we can look at and black ink on a white page, you have stated that you are the beginning, you are the end, that you are making all things new. You're taking away all these things, all this creation, all this stuff. Father, you're continuing to show me, show us your word. Father, if there are those that don't know you, Father, I pray that this, this passage would, would hit them right where they are in life right now so that they might see how much you love them. They might see how much you're drawing them to you. 
that you're at work all around them. Father, for us that do know you, God, would we would we allow you to to rule and reign Tuesdays in the morning, Thursdays in the afternoon, Fridays at night, Wednesdays, Father, every moment of the day. For your word. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you'd like to come to know him. Let me, let me introduce him to you. If you're here today and he has been speaking to you from his word, you just need to come to the altar and pray. You come. The invitation is open for you.